48K News. The observatory says the number 8 gale or storm signal will remain in force until 2am. Chief Executive John Lee tells top-level bankers this is the moment to do business in Hong Kong and HSBC's Noel Quinn says the financial industry wants to see Hong Kong reopen and continue to develop. The observatory says the number 8 gale or storm signal will remain in force until 2am. At 9pm it said Tropical Storm Nalgay was centred about 90 kilometres south-southeast of the observatory and was forecast to move northwest at about 10 kilometres per hour, edging closer to the, visit, the vicinity of the Pearl River estuary. Here's the observatory's senior scientific officer, Tong Yu Fai. According to the present forecast track, as Miguel etching closer to the vicinity of the Pearl River estuary, there will still be gales in Hong Kong to light and at first tomorrow morning. Meanwhile, the Scottish showers associated with the gale will affect Hong Kong. The gale will weaken further when the gale weakens into a tropical depression or local winds subside significantly. The observatory will issue a lower tropical cyclone warning signal. The Kowloon Motor Bus Company said all of its night bus services as well as those provided by Long Wind Bus were suspended. The chief executive has told top-level bankers and financial industry heavyweights from around the world that this is the moment to do business in Hong Kong. In a keynote speech to the Global Financial Leaders Investment Summit at the Four Seasons Hotel, John Lee said the SAR is unique and irreplaceable for doing business as it reaps the benefits of both the East and West. You know full well the equation to the most promising investments, opportunity and timing. Good investors focus on tomorrow as much or more than today. They look for prospects, touching bottom, for opportunities soon to soar. Look at Hong Kong. I can tell you, the worst is behind us. Opportunity and timing are right here, right now, in Hong Kong. This is the moment you have been waiting for. Go for it. Get in front, not behind. Finance Minister Paul Chan says Hong Kong can develop into a leading centre for green finance. In an exclusive interview with RTHK, he noted that several local companies have been issuing green bonds, adding that the Hainan government has also offered such financial products here to support its marine projects. Mr Chan said the SAR government has also issued green bonds and pointed out these can help expedite Hong Kong's goal of reaching carbon neutrality by 2050. We need to make a lot of investments. Mm. For the government, we need to build a lot of infrastructures, railway, roads. We need to invest in different facilities. The purpose of this green bond is to raise funds to enable us to move forward as planted. Despite at the moment, the fiscal situation of the government seems to be a little tight. So I do think by using green bonds, that would help us expedite the progress of our projects. HSBC's chief executive Noel Quinn says he has no doubt that Hong Kong remains a very strong international financial centre, adding that he and other leaders in the financial industry want to see the city reopen and continue to develop. When asked if Hong Kong had experienced a brain drain, he responded by saying that the bank has still been able to recruit talented people in Hong Kong. Remember, we have over, I think, 28,000 people here in Hong Kong. 
We have tremendous local and international talent in Hong Kong. Clearly, I've got no, com no doubt whatsoever that Hong Kong will remain a very strong international financial centre. Indonesia's Human Rights Commission says the use of tear gas by police was the main cause of a crush at a football match in East Java last month that killed 135 people. Officials from Komnas Ham said excessive force was used and most, de most deaths were caused by asphyxiation. The report echoes a government investigation that also found inadequate safety protocols and locked gates contributed to the tragedy. Football's governing body, FIFA, bans the use of tear gas at matches. And a look at the weather. Strong to gale force north to northwesterly winds becoming east to northeasterlies. Winds will moderate tomorrow and showers will ease off gradually through the day. Temperatures will range between 19 and 24 degrees. It's currently 21 degrees Celsius with relative humidity of 93%. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is five minutes past 11. Health officials reported 4,709 new COVID cases today, of which 430 were imported. Eight more patients with COVID have died. Visitors could soon be allowed to head to attractions such as Disneyland and the Big Buddha on Lantau as soon as they arrive in Hong Kong under proposals from the tourist industry. The Travel Industry Council says the exemption from COVID rules would apply only to incoming travellers who join organised tours. It's hopeful it will be in place in time for the Christmas holidays. Maggie Ho has the details. Under present rules, anyone arriving in Hong Kong is given an Ember Health Code, meaning places such as theme parks and museums are off-limits for their first three days here. But Fanny Yung, Executive Director of the Travel Industry Council, told an RTHK program that they've asked officials to relax those social distancing measures to allow members of tour groups led by local guides to go to specified attractions. Ms. Young says officials have agreed in principle to the change and she's hoping for confirmation this month so tours can be arranged for the Christmas holiday season. But she says the struggling sector is under no illusions that the exemption alone will be enough for a tourism revival. Actually, the setter knows that not many clients will come at the beginning. But we believe this direction is very important. It will send a message to overseas visitors and our partners that Hong Kong is gradually opening up. She proposes that tourists would be allowed to go to attractions including Disneyland, Ocean Park, the M Plus Museum, the Palace Museum, the Big Buddha on Lantau, and the Wong Tai Sin Temple. They'll have to travel point to point by coach and will have to eat in separate rooms in restaurants so they don't mingle with other diners. The details of the tourists will be registered in advance with the attractions to make contact tracing easier. Ms. Yang says several details remain to be hammered out, including whether the tourists will be allowed to eat at theme parks and what should be done if they contract COVID-19 while in Hong Kong. The Culture, Sports and Tourism Bureau said in a statement later in the day that it's looking at offering more convenience for incoming tour groups so Hong Kong could resume tourism in an orderly and gradual manner while managing infection control. North Korea has launched over 20 missiles this morning, with one landing just 37 kilometres from a city where tens of thousands, pe thousands of people live, triggering air raid sirens. Hours later, Seoul retaliated, returning fire. The BBC's Jean McKenzie reports. 
민주당은 윤석열 정부 책임도 내 더욱 무게를 실었습니다. 애초 사고 공습 경보 관련 공습 경보 관련. This is the most uh, missiles that North Korea has ever launched in a single day. Um, so a big day for missile testing. But I think the one that we're particularly focused on is the one that it fired that landed off South Korea's coastline, uh, because this is the first time that North Korea has ever fired a missile that's landed off the South Korean coast. It usually just fires them directly out to sea, and it did land in international waters, not South Korean waters. But still. This is unprecedented, and it is being seen as more serious than the other missile launches that South Korea has had to deal with over the past year. Um, you know, uh, particularly given the fact that residents in this small island uh, near where the missile landed were forced to seek shelter uh, when they heard those sounds of an air raid shelter, a siren going off. So it really does pose more of a direct threat to South Korea than the other launches we've seen. Veteran Israeli hawk Benjamin Netanyahu appears to be on the cusp of returning to power with initial election results showing his alliance with the extreme right taking a narrow lead. Nearly a year and a half after losing his 12-year grip on power, results so far suggest that his right-wing bloc has won Israel's fifth election in less than four years. And that's despite Mr Netanyahu still being on trial for corruption, which he denies. Speaking hours after polls closed, he said he was on the brink of becoming Prime Minister once again. One thing is already clear. Our way, Likud's way, has proven itself. I remind you that from 52 seats in the last election, we're now on the verge of a very big victory. Earlier, RTHK's correspondent in Israel, Robert Berger, told Aaron Tam it seems likely Mr Netanyahu will win a stable majority in Israel's parliament. It's a, looking like a, a very uh, good, a big victory for uh, the former Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, who had been out of power, uh, had served 12 years in power before that, and it looks like he's coming back uh, with, uh, we have 120 seats in the Knesset, Israel's parliament. Looks like his party, the Likud, and other right-wing and religious parties are going to get around 65 seats, which is a, which is a pretty stable majority. I, I would just add that these numbers could change a little bit, but it looks comfortable enough uh, that we, we can say Netanyahu is likely the winner. Right. And this is the fifth election in four years. Why is that the case, and why is there a rise in the uh, extreme right? The, the Netanyahu has been under um, uh, allegations of bribery, fraud, and breach of trust, and is actually on trial now for corruption. And that, that hurt him. I mean, he didn't really have trouble remaining in power for his 12 years until these allegations came on, and people began to believe that he was corrupt. So in the previous four elections, he came close, but wasn't able to form a government, but neither was anybody else, and that led to this political deadlock. Finally, uh, the moderate Yair Lapid was able to form a, a government last year, but it was weak and only lasted one year. So now the return of the radical right, um, it's, it's just a phenomenon that's happening in Israeli society uh, amid violence with the Palestinians that's ongoing, uh, the threat of terrorism. Uh, people seem to be turning to the right, uh, where they, they believe the right would uh, be stronger on issues like security and the land of Israel. 
Um, and, but these, uh, this right-wing party does take rather uh, extreme views and hard views on the Arabs. Police stations have been raided in South Korea by a team looking into the Halloween crush that killed more than 150 people in the capital, Seoul. It's, it's investigating allegations. Police did not respond quickly enough to the tragedy. Here's the BBC's Nick Marsh. Special investigators collected evidence from a total of eight police stations across Seoul today. They had two main aims. First, to understand how much or how little police departments had prepared for large crowds on Saturday night. And second, to establish how quickly and how effectively police responded to warning calls from members of the public. Now, this is ultimately an internal investigation, but with anger building, it will form part of a larger inquiry into how such a tragedy was allowed to happen. Iranian state media have published a video of a rap artist arrested on Sunday for supporting ongoing anti-government protests over the death in custody of Masa Amini. Tumaj Salahi, who had posted visit videos of himself joining in demonstrations, was shown blindfolded and sitting on the ground. In a shaking voice, Salahi said he had made a mistake in supporting the protests. Since his arrest, many social media users had voiced concern that he would be tortured and forced to give televised confessions. President Erdogan says the Black Sea grain export deal has now resumed after Russia suspended its backing following an attack on its naval base in occupied Crimea. The Turkish president said the breakthrough came in talks between the Russian and Turkish defence ministers. After the call we held yesterday with the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, the country's defense minister, Sergei Shoigu, called our national defense minister, Hulusi Akar, and said that the grain transports would continue as agreed before from noon Moscow time today. The defense ministry in Moscow said the deal was back on track thanks to written guarantees from Ukraine that it would not use the maritime security corridor for combat purposes. A child rights body in India has urged the government in Delhi to close schools until levels of pollution in the capital have fallen. Earlier, the Environment Minister said, uh, asked millions of people to work from home to reduce emissions in the city. Construction activities across Delhi were suspended a few days ago after environment officials rated pollution levels in the capital as severe. And a reminder of our top stories tonight, the observatory says the number 8 gale or storm signal will remain in force until 2am. Chief Executive John Lee tells top-level bankers this is the moment to do business in Hong Kong. And HSBC's Noel Quinn says the financial industry wants to see Hong Kong reopen and continue to develop. The news from RTHK.
Legislative Council Election Committee constituency by-election polling day is on December 18th. The nomination period runs from November 1st to November 14th. Registered electors aged 21 or above who have resided in Hong Kong for three years preceding nomination are eligible to be nominated. Forms can be found at the Registration and Electoral Office, Home Affairs Inquiry Centres and elections.gov.hk. You ready to rewind? Tune in Saturdays from noon to three, right here on Radio 3. For some classic Michael Lance bringing the past to the present. A little something for everyone. Guaranteed to take you back. And of course, some good old country. So join me for some classic Michael Lance. Saturday from noon to 3 on Radio 3. You can't touch this. It's hot. 